Welcome to Pennycast, where we'll catch up with a range of interesting people, exploring themes around the four pillars of financial freedom, growing wealth, family, protection, and community, and providing ideas and inspiration to live a more meaningful life. Hi, I'm Alan Thorne. I'm delighted you could join us for our second edition of Pennycast. For many in the financial services industry, the run-up to the end of the tax year in April is the busiest time of the year. It's the same story every year, even though much of the activity could be done at any time in the year. In fact, in some cases, there are significant benefits in doing this. It feels like something of an anomaly, and yet how people think about finance is not always completely straightforward. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Will Harrison, a Director and Senior Financial Consultant at Penny Financial Partners, to look at some of the potential benefits of thinking differently about the tax year, but also to dig a little deeper into the wider psychology of financial decision-making. So Will, great to speak to you today. How are you? Very well, very well, thanks Alan. Yeah, lovely to be here. Excellent. So this year's tax year end was just over a month ago now, and um, a particularly busy time of the year for you this year. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I think it's, uh, it's the same every year, you know, it's, it's often, um, it's like the end of January for accountants, I think, you know, it's a similar thing for us, the, the 5th of April. So um, yeah, a, a busy time, certainly. And just to give it a bit of context, what is it exactly that you're, you're doing at the tax year end? So, so the main thing I, I really is, I guess it's that word efficiency, you know, is, is making use of um, the allowances and the exemptions that, that the government give to us, be that what we can put into our different um, savings and investments or what we can take out of, you know, using some of our income allowances, things like, you know, personal allowance and dividends and, and, and some of the interest allowances, capital gains, you know, a number of other things. So it's just, I guess it's efficiency really, you know, because that really can, can make a big difference, um, big difference over time. And is this, is this something that, that people can think about earlier? I mean, this is what we're, what we're talking, what we're looking at today. Absolutely, yeah. It, 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 I think for many of the allowances, that is the case. Um, the, the most obvious one that we, we probably hear most about, um, we talk a lot about certainly in the business and hear about a lot in the press is ISA allowances. So the, the, the government allow you to pay £20,000 a year uh, each into an ISA and the, the main benefit being tax-free growth within there. Um, and yeah, whether you do that on the 6th of April, the first day of the tax year or the 5th of April, you know, that, that, that's the kind of time period that you've got for, for making use of that allowance. Um, and there isn't really a, um, a benefit in, in leaving that as such. Um, so yeah, we would tend to encourage people to use their ISO allowances um, earlier in the year where they can. So we have some clients who are looking to maximise their, their pension contributions um, and you know, there are lots of sort of intricate rules on that, but one of the one of the key considerations is your earnings throughout the year. And so um, we don't always know at the very beginning of a tax year what we're going to earn over that year. In fact, not many people do for certain. So so where we're looking at some of those kind of um, areas of advice, we would tend to defer that until we get closer to the end of the tax year, um, often sort of December, January, February time. Um, where there's, there's more certainty over what's, what's going to come in. So that's just a couple of examples there. But I'd say as a, as a rule, yeah, at least having the conversations early is good to, to sort of signpost for the year. Clearly, it would be 
you know better for, from your perspective if, for people to, to to speak to you sooner but clearly there's a there's, there's a clear financial planning opportunity um, for people so so why is it why do you think you know why are people waiting um so there's a, there's a couple of things really people first of all people like a deadline <laughs> um and you know hark back many moons ago to my university days you know we have a dissertation to get in we know the date it needs to be in by and lots of people pour an all-nighter um before handing that in and um that that principle of sort of having a deadline i think is a factor without a doubt um and so why do it today if we've still got plenty of time we've got other things we've, we all lead, lead busy lives i guess so that brings us to a wider point then about what drives people you know what is it that's driving people to make the financial decisions that they do you know i mean we, we'd like a deadline but you know what what else is it that's, that's driving this emotion plays a part in this definitely um we you know in lots of the client meetings that we have we will talk about that kind of uh, taking into account um emotions and, and how we feel about something and also overlaying the sort of logic um to that as well and you know actually we i think if you look back in long you know way 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 distant history we couldn't be wired worse to invest you know we 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 sort of evolved in the you know caveman days to to protect ourselves from physical short-term danger and we've got this world now that's full of that sort of abundance and and sort of safety particularly in the developed world you know we, we've got more people this year who are going to pass away from eating too much than from not eating enough you know we've got a lot of security and safety there and we've got more and more used to that and it couldn't be more uncertain within the investment world because nobody knows what's going to happen and i think when you when you combine the way that we're wired as human beings um and this kind of short-term protect myself sort of been built to us and the uncertainty of the investment world and, and what is or isn't going to happen we just don't know that that's a major part of it you know that that kind of so yeah as you guess fundamentally it is that kind of human beings the way that we're made it, it's um it, it, yeah it's a constant battle in a way so i mean so your job in a way is is, is i guess it's to almost suppress our, our kind of natural the, the human that you know natural instincts yeah i mean it's not that we um we have to take it into account um and not necessarily completely completely suppress it but it's um yeah it, it it's being aware i think it's awareness a lot of it you know we have to have these conversations to say what are the concerns you know and and, and sort of and put things into into perspective perhaps and you know that, that it's that kind of looking over the longer term as well there's a lot of a lot as i've just said there a lot of kind of short-termism this instant gratification versus future rewards you know it is is a lot of the conversation you know that's what a lot of it is about and um so yeah i guess it's it's not necessarily suppressing but it's having that conversation and and, and bringing that out and, and i guess um i mean i guess in this as you, you touched on there i mean from a society perspective we we live we live in a very different world now you know where this this kind of um i guess very social world of somewhere where, you know when we think about what is it that influences people to make the decisions that they make you know these these kind of you know these wider influences i guess there must be 
um, I guess you know, social media and, and, and multimedia and so on, there, there must be a huge amount of influences in there which you must come up against fairly regularly. Well, I think that, that all plays into um, this 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 conversation we're just having now about the sort of instant gratification um, versus longer term. You know, you, you look at, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big social media user myself, but, you know, the likes of Instagram, we get to hear about the good things. You know, we hear a lot less about the bad things. We hear about the race that, that somebody won. We don't hear about the time they lost. You know, we see the picture of somebody perfectly made up uh, in the best possible angle with filters on we don't see waking up first thing in the morning with that. <laughs> you know and, and so I know that's not that's not necessarily investing but it it all adds to that kind of it pushes the right buttons for us as human beings that we want this instant this instantness and and it's all it's all kind of anti um, patience long-termism um, that we can that we that we need when we when we're investing yeah, and I'd imagine then that I mean it's, it'd be interesting that you know this is this has been going this has always been the case in some regards, but but maybe the details are just changing. And I think about you know some of the um, some of the some of the I guess we look at herd mentality. You know, you look at the the trends that people have followed mis potentially mistakenly, and maybe looking at. Again, some of the trends that are building today that you must be having conversations with people where they're reading things in the newspaper and seeing things on social media. Yeah, yeah, I think we, I mean, I, I, an example there is um, we, uh, we're starting to see all the fund flow data from last year. So we're looking at how many people buy things and how many people sell things at different times of the year. And we had this incredible year in 2020 where you know, has fastest bear and bull markets, uh, you know, on, on record. And, um, and, and yet again, as we've seen on multiple occasions in the past, the, the point at which it was optimal to buy things, people were selling things because of the emotions and they're, they're scared, you know, and, you know, we use these examples of, uh, you know, if you go into a supermarket to buy your favorite tin of beans and it's on sale for 50 pence rather than a pound, it's the same tin of beans, you'd, you'd buy more of them. And it's, you know, logically, it's quite easy to say this then. So if you've got a share in a, in a company that you can buy for 50 pence today rather than a pound, as it was, you know, three months ago, then you, you would buy it. Emotionally, it doesn't feel safe. You know, this kind of, you mentioned herd mentality there. We're hearing a lot of bad things. We're hearing, we have this loss aversion sort of bias, really, where we're concerned about those, those some of those short-term decisions. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's all... I guess media plays a big part in this, you know, the, the data, that the information that we're being fed all the time. But it, again, with your logical hat on, I mentioned the fund flow data. You can just have a look at that and it paints such a, an emotional picture, really, because um, people buy a lot when things are, are, um, are, are more expensive because they've heard that things are really good and the momentum's been gained and they finally get the confidence and they buy it and then things start to go back down again. and. Um, because thing, you know, because markets are cyclical, and they, they, the news starts filtering through. It's not quite as good, and things are going bad, and the, we're hearing all the time that it's really bad, and the world's going to end, and it's Armageddon, and and and, I'm, and I sell then, and I'm down at the bottom. And, and as I say, yet again, it happened last year. It happened in 2008. It happened um, at the beginning of the millennium with the technology bubble bursting, and and there's been multiple repeated occasions that that happens, and it you can't really 
get too far away from that. I think emotion, <laughs> yeah, emotion's got to be a bit massive influence in that. And and you talked about the the, the, the data that you 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 know that you're able to to look at. I mean, is that, is that are you able to sit down with your clients and have those conversations with that data and really help them understand the opportunity? Yeah, I think I think so. And well, we we absolutely are. And and I think for a lot of our existing clients, we're almost. You know, we, we, we're trying to re rewind back to remembering how things felt. You know, we, we've, we're now in in um, in May. You know, March. It was March last year when we were at the it was sort of mid February to to the end of March where we had this massive fall in the stock market in, in 2020. And um, and and in a lot of meetings that we've had this year, we've, we've said just let's take ourselves back to that point. And and you know, several clients saying, "I'm so glad I didn't sell." You know, and that's because we've had a conversation about just reminding why you're investing and what's the purpose of the money. And yes, there's some bad things happening in the world at the moment, and we're hearing all about them a lot. But but you've got some money in the bank. You know, you've got some security. You've got some income coming in. Whatever it may be, you know, whatever individual circumstances are, the purpose of this money in most instances is medium to long term growth and and so you don't need it right now so i, did, I don't think it's a good decision to etc et et you know and have those kind of conversations and um yeah i mean do you have a is there a i mean i guess the longer people are involved in the, this kind of investment journey the further along their investment journey they go the easier this decision making becomes maybe would that be your experience yeah well experience is 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 the key word i think there because you once you've witnessed that, then you you kind of you have it doesn't feel quite as bad when you come to it again. And I you know I I'm, I'm you know comfortable enough to say myself. You know when I started in this job, it was it was at the very beginning of the millennium, and where we had three years of negative markets. And I was thinking, crikey, what have I got myself into here? You know, and and this is like why would people invest on you know as a sort of trainee consultant and. <laughs> And then you, you know, you things go well for a while in the markets, and then we have two thousand and eight, and then that's really bad. And now even then, I was kind of, you get a bit kind of anxious, even in our in our role sometimes. And then you see it again and again, and you look through history books, and you see, you know, and, and so yeah, from a client's perspective, I think if you're particularly where you've been invested for a longer period of time, then you've you've actually felt that and experienced that yourself and and felt it not be great but then seen it recover and and so the more times that happen that that's experience i guess in any walk of life isn't it that you you become more comfortable with that um, um as time as time goes on and, and equally i'd say and as an advisor you know i think we it's not that we our job is not to be blindly optimistic but it's about you know, uh, 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 putting into context, I think often, and 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 referring back to evidence, you know, and what has happened in the past, and and some of those fundamentals about why things go up, you know, and um, yeah. And, and so if, and so when when somebody so one someone comes to you and you must have these conversations about, and I'll just pluck these at the end, and I, and I make no comment on these, but you know, the conversations around the Teslas or the cryptocurrencies or, you know, whatever the, whatever the thing may be that's, you know, the, the hot ticket in, in the, in the press, yeah. um, as, as boring and maybe as, as it might be, you know, you, from your perspective, it's really just about going back to, you know, that, that, those kind of prudent 
yeah, I think it, it, it's you, you're always people love. Uh, 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 but again, I keep referring back to this kind of instant gratification. But you know, every weekend you'll read in the press about the hot tips. You know, or the you know what are the stocks that have done really well, or the funds that have done really well, and um, and then you don't. You, it's not that you then get a running track record of those every. You know, the one that they said was going to be great today, we don't hear about that next week and the week after, and, and how they're actually doing. And um, and yes, yeah, so you're always going to have the hot stuff, and you're always going to have. A friend who's you know <laughs> made lots of money on um, a Tesla share or on Bitcoin that they bought some time ago, and um, and and I and and you know we we, we we it can be hard to ignore that, and it's not necessarily about ignoring it, but the most important thing with any planning is about why are we doing? You know, why are we? Why are we? What are we trying to achieve from from um, with our financial plan? You know, what's what's the money for? What what are the objectives of it? And then, you know, our, our, the way that we believe, the way that we do it, is not about a, a kind of punt or going really aggressive on a particular one particular company or one or two or or Bitcoin or whatever it may be. It's about a well diversified. Um, portfolio or eggs in baskets, um, investing in different types of assets, um, be that, you know, stocks and shares or it might be commercial property or it might be gilts and corporate bonds, you know, different types of um, assets across the globe. And then also different types of um, different types of management styles. So we have, um, you know, we, we often refer to three different types of management styles, growth, value and, and quality. So, um, you know, a growthful manager might be looking at the, the, the companies that are getting double digits growth. So at the moment, that's things like technology companies. Value are uh, for managers who are looking at those organizations where they believe they're undervalued and there's a lot of value to be gained. So that, that might be things like um, uh, banks at the moment. And then we have others called quality for managers who are predominantly looking at, at what I guess you'd almost typically call blue chip in, in the past or the... Um, the likes of a, a McDonald's where it doesn't really matter that much or Coca-Cola and it doesn't matter that much what is happening in the external environment that they're, they're, they're big they they they've got a lot of longevity they're not shoot the lights out with with returns but they they're consistent large quality organization and now which one of those three areas is going to perform best over the next 12 months 24 months I've no idea and and so why take a punt in in one of those so to diversify across assets, you know, eggs in different baskets from an asset point of view, and also from a, um, having people who are very good at what they do, but they just have different opinions about what, what, what's good and where to get growth from within the markets. And I think the combination of those two things, it's certainly when you overlay that to <laughs> what are my objectives, where do I want to get to, you know, they're the key conversations to, I think to have. And so, and so I guess bringing it back to where we started from really which is about you know we were talking about the tax year end and we were talking about you know what is it and you know what are the benefits potentially of people thinking differently and being more proactive towards tax year start all very important definite opportunities but fundamentally you know that's almost a secondary consideration it, it, it's all about first and foremost it's about understand the objectives and then 
you know, the detail comes after that, really. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, it, it, that's exactly right. You know, it's, we can, uh, it's quite easy to get down a rabbit hole of tax allowances and tax rules and saving tax and, 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 and we can talk lots about it, <laughs> but um, it, it, it has to be in, com in the context of what we're trying to, what are we trying to achieve here? You know, what's the, the main purpose? So it's what are, what are the most important things to me and my life and my family? Um, and, and, and then let's try and get there as efficiently as possible. So the tax follows the objectives as opposed to the other way around. Wonderful. A great way to end there, Will. Thank you ever so much for joining me on Pennycast today. And I really do hope we speak again soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Alan. <laughs>